Good morning, everyone. Glad you're all here today. We're going to be talking about taking a plunge. And, and in fact, next Sunday for Easter, we're going to do a little bit of a ritual uh, and personally anchor some newness in each one of our lives. So we're actually going to have a little bit of a receiving line during the service, uh, asking each one of you to hold in your heart and your mind something that you'd like to be different. Maybe a relationship uh, you would like to have be stronger. Maybe your finances you'd like in better shape. Maybe there's something going on in your life that isn't really the way you want it and you want to enhance it or change it, we're going to listen to you. We're going to do a little bit of a prayer around it. We're going to anchor that newness into your life. Back to Nancy's prayer for a minute. Nancy, I think, very powerfully described the infinity that is the universe. She really talked about God as everything there is, all of the, the qualities of God as well as the physical nature, the physical diversity of that is God. And if all of that is available to us, why is it that we don't already have that which we want? Why are our relationships sometimes more difficult or less than we would want? Why, you know, why is the foundation or the nature of our job sometimes a struggle? Or, or why are our finances uh, uh, worrisome from time to time? If, if this infinity, if this huge, amazing diversity of God is there for us always, why do we feel short? Why do we feel confined? Well, my topic today is diversity, and I want to take a little bit different angle. We're going to do diversity in two parts, both an outward essence of, of what diversity is as well as an inward one. And I think a good place to start with the outward one is a joke. <laughs> it's called musical diversity in honor of Ray here today. So the pastor of a local church met a parishioner while walking along the street. He stopped the man and asked why he didn't attend church more regularly. The man replied that the sermons were okay, but every single time I go to church, you're singing the same songs. <laughs> now, the pastor, who was quite proud of the musical diversity of the church, you know, getting great people like Ray or Linda or, or our band in, was kind of horror-struck, but finally got around to asking. He asked the man, well, what songs are you talking about? What, what are the same songs you keep hearing? The man replied, Silent Night and O Little Town of Bethlehem. <laughs> Of course, they probably could come to church more often. So outward diversity. I want to start with a story. So some friends and I decided we'd go to Mexico. This was about 10 years back. And we got together a group of 10 people. And we were going to have the time of our lives. The first time out of the, the U.S., uh, we managed to get one of those kind of like a villa because there were 10 of us and it was, the finances worked out well and we had our own uh, uh, cook that was going to cook for us. And I mean, it sounded, it just sounded fabulous. And I got to tell you, uh, of the five couples that went, three of us, three sets of two, had a fantastic time. It was like so sweet. It was like the people of Puerto Vallarta were so kind and the uh, just the cultural diversity was so rich. We learned a little bit about the history of Mexico and, and got to explore new ways of eating and new ways of being. And I would even say I learned how to be with people in a fundamentally different way. The, the people in Puerto Vallarta were so open-hearted to us and whether we spoke Spanish or whether they spoke English, they were willing to just be with you for an hour until you sorted it 
out. Do you know what I mean? You'd ask someone for directions and neither of you really could speak and yet they would take the, I mean, I had, I remember one gentleman literally took us down, no, come with me and I'll show you where to go. And, and it was that level of kindness and just open heartedness for strangers that, that I would like to think has changed me in a fundamental way for that. However, two of the couples that went along did not have a good time. They found the food to be too spicy. They found the beds to be too hard. They found that the cobblestone streets, they were always tripping and, and falling down. They found that it was, uh, it was difficult to witness some of the poverty that existed there. And it, and it kind of put them... Uh, just put them out of the mood to really have a good time. They, they found that so many things were different for them uh, that they really didn't enjoy themselves. In fact, I remember we took, each couple took turns working with uh, the glorious woman named Maria that made our meals for us. And, and so we would work with her and do the shopping and she would do the meals. And so we, we were making all of her favorite recipes and oh my gosh, the food was good. But I remember this one couple, their night when we came to dinner, she made a really dreadful pot roast. <laughs> and it was like, pot roast? In Mexico, why are we having pot roast? This couple, after just a few days, was homesick. They wanted their lives to not have changed. They, they, they thought they wanted the diversity. They thought they wanted a new way of being. It was in their head, and they're very progressive people. I mean, these are people that you would know and love and think of them as on the front of wanting social change in the world and, 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 and to really embrace diversity. But there was something in them. And I'm going to today call it, for want of a better word, inertia about their lives that could not allow them to have fun in Mexico. I'm going to tell a, another story here in a minute. But before we get there, I want to ask you all, how do you feel about diversity? And, and, and of course, culturally that means how do you feel about wanting to meet different kinds of people, different people of different backgrounds, different colors, different histories, different family histories, maybe uh, different language barriers and things like that. I think all of us say in our hearts that, yeah, this is what we want. We want to learn more about the world. We want to learn more about people that are different than us. But are we actually willing to listen? Are we actually willing to sit with the newness? Are we willing to be with something that's new that might even be uncomfortable for a while in order to find the joy there, in order to find the, uh, the peace there, in order to find the, the new way of being that might translate into a new you, into a new quality of being or, or an expanded sense of love or life in you? Or are you going to be the couple in Mexico that wants to go to Pizza Hut? Do you know what I mean? I think there is an inertia to us, to our way of being. And, and, and no offense here, I can't imagine that any of us purposefully would want to ignore segments of society or to uh, um, you know, play down or denigrate different ways of being or different people or, or different uh, ways of life. And yet I think it is through our adherence to the consistency and the averageness and the predictability of our own life that we're just not seeing the world of luscious possibilities out there. I think that's why here in this very room, even though every Sunday we say the universe is infinite, 
that love is infinite, that joy is infinite. Nonetheless, we're here on Sunday wishing we had more of it. It's there. It's there, and we keep going to Pizza Hut. It's like the car knows the way. Do you know what I mean? It's like our thoughts know where they're going. It hang, uh, we hang out with the, the same people. We, we eat the same kinds of food. Do, do all of us here have a favorite restaurant and we tend to order the same thing when we go? Oh, I'm the only one brave enough to admit to that. Okay. All right. So what do we do with this newness thing? Because i got to tell you, the chances of us keeping things the same and enjoying life are close to zero. First of all, even if you find a comfortable life, even if you're satisfied with your level of happiness and comfort, ain't going to be that way for long. I'm just saying. Life changes always. Always. And in fact, I would even one-up the ante on this. The more you try to keep it the same, (laughs) my impression is the more it will get loose from you. So from the get-go, I would say we need to expect, we need to welcome, we need to be ready for change, A, and B, how do we embrace it? How do we move forward? Okay, now for my next story. So I'm going to, uh, unfortunately, uh, reinforce the stereotype. Uh, so forgive me, but here we go. Uh, so, so my partner does ballroom dancing for a living, and on Friday nights, uh, I've been helping him uh, with the country western two-step. And, and every Friday night, we have, a, we have a new section of people in there. Well, the stereotype is that guys are not very good dancers. And, and unfortunately, fellows, the news here is on the first night... Uh, we're not so good. It's interesting. The women seem a little more natural at picking up at least the country western two-step on the very first lesson than the guys do. But I got to tell you, there was this one fellow in class that I'd kind of noticed him three classes in a row. And oh my gosh, the first night, he was having a terrible time. He was hardly even able to sort of find the beat to the music, if you will, and keep his feet going at the same time. But by the third lesson, now mind you, these are just one-hour lessons, By the third lesson, he was one of the better dancers in the room. I couldn't help but ask. I went up and asked him on a break. I said, so tell me, what's your secret? Are you, you know, are you you very athletic and coordinated in some other way? You know, is it, are you applying maybe what you know about um, the martial arts or something like that into dance? Is that what's allowing you to do this? And he said, no. He said, and in fact, I'm kind of driving my wife crazy because I'm just doing the two-step everywhere. (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, picture me in the Safeway store with my cart. Quick, quick, slow, slow. Quick, quick, slow, slow. Quick, quick, slow, slow. Quick, quick, slow. But but he said what, what what he found was after just doing that for a few hours, he didn't have to think about it anymore that the new pattern had just kind of settled into his head. And so he could. He could shop. He, could, he said that he was kind of, people were looking at him funny at work. He was like, uh, like a landscaper. And so as he was blowing leaves, he's doing the quick, quick, slow, slow. As he's carrying plants around, he's doing the quick, quick, slow, slow. But I tell you, I tell you, and I want to suggest to you that maybe this is how we can embrace newness. You know, Ray invited us to kind of step in, to even kind of wade in. But if you want to really change your life, it's time we dive in. 
It's time that we commit ourselves to a new way of being. It's time that we find something that's in our heart that we want to do, something that's important to us, whether it's an improved relationship, whether it's uh, better finances, whether it's a, a new or improved job, whether it's, uh, gosh, I don't know, just trying to make the world better. You know, sometimes we tend to focus on things that would just benefit us. Well, A, I know that when we benefit us, we benefit everybody. When, when we approach something with that single-heartedness of wanting joy, or love or peace or uh, whatever it is. I know everyone benefits, but sometimes too, we just want to see social changes. We want to see beauty. We want to see the outer manifestation beyond ourselves in the world. And when you have a vision for that, it's time to dive in. It's time to forget our inertia of what got us right here. And, and, and I want to look at that inertia again for just a second because inertia is what got you here, and I'm glad you're here. But if you want to grow spiritually, it can't just end here. Now, over a, a, enough millennia, all of us will, will certainly become divine. I'm not worried about that. I, I mean, I believe in life eternal, that we're all headed for oneness for God, and that we're all going to get there. Uh, I'm not so sure how long it's going to take me, <laughs> and, and, and only you can evaluate for your own self. But I do know that if we want to make spiritual progress, if we, don't, if we want to improve our lives, if we want to make the world a place that will work for everyone, we've got to dive in. We've got to do something about it. We've got to be able to release our old ways of being, even when they're comfortable. Even if we love Pizza Hut, we may have to stop going there to embrace newness. Even if our lives are sweet and comfortable, there may be something, something in that sweetness and comfortability that's keeping us from pure love, that's keeping us from greatness. You know, I was reading a, a, a book not too long ago, and it said the reason more of us aren't great is that we settle for damn good. Right? And who wouldn't? On the surface, when you get life working damn good, when your finances are in order, when the, you have a relationship that's pretty sweet, when you have a job that's okay and it's bringing money in, money in, doesn't it feel just good enough? We will stay at good enough, always, unless we have a better vision unless we can really see that abundance, that, that grandness of the universe, unless there's a, a picture in our own mind, a mental equivalent that's larger, that has more love in it, that has pure love in it, unless in our hearts we can see beyond what is good and fine for now into something that would be better, categorically better, astronomically better. And that's where... That's where, my friends, this idea of diversity comes in. Diversity, certainly out in the world, uh, uh, inviting new kinds of people, new ways of being into your life, but also diversity up here. Ernest Holmes, we're reading uh, section five of the Science of Mind textbooks this week, and he referred to, to an interesting Bible quotation that I wanted to share with you. Uh, it's Matthew 9, 16 and 17. And here's the, the words of Jesus. Jesus said, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. 
Also, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. If we cling to the old, even when it's working for us, if we see that all, all we know how to do is what we know how to do now, and we're, we're going to avoid the sometimes scariness of what's new, the sometimes uncomfortability of what's new, if we do that, we will not achieve our dreams. And so my question for you today, I'm going to end with a bit of homework, I'm going to end with an invitation, but my question for you today, is this really as good as it gets? Only you can decide. I mean, I want to say no. I would like to go up to each person in this room and say, no, this is not as good as it gets. There is an amazing life ahead of you. There are better relationships. There are uh, uh, amazing vocations in the world. There are ways of being with people and in your life that are outstanding. But you have to have that in your own heart, have that change. Otherwise, it's Pizza Hut. And Pizza Hut... And Pizza Hut. If you want to experience something new and wild and fun and exciting, if you want to find a new way of loving that is intimate beyond anything that you've ever experienced before, if you want to find a job that isn't just a job, but it's a calling, a place where, where you make a difference in the world, if you in this room want to experience the highest and the best for you and your families, then we need to dive in. We need to make a change, and we need to be fearless. I remember when I was about 12, I helped my stepfather uh, build a swimming pool, which was kind of unusual in Newport, Oregon. We were one of the few families in the town in Newport, Oregon. Well, and of course you're saying, is it ever really warm enough there to go swimming? <laughs> and that's why we were one of the few families that had a swimming pool there. But I got to tell you, having uh, really learned how to swim in that pool, the first few times that I would go, it was like this. It was like, yikes. It's like, Really? Are we really? And of course, my stepfather just dives in, and, you know, splashes the water around. But, but I'm like, oh God, this is so. Oh, oh. Let us not have our lives like this. Let us be fearless in our newness. If there is something we want, let's go for it. Let's even in the shopping cart do the quick, quick, slow, slow. Do you know what I mean? We will make tremendous progress if we dive in, if we go for it, if we claim our good and do what's necessary. Now, sometimes the necessary parts will not be comfortable. And I say, so what? Wasn't some of your life that got you here not comfortable? We lived, didn't we? There were moments of pain. There were maybe more than moments of pain. <laughs> At least I'll speak for myself. But I am so glad to be here. And I'm not finished yet. I'm going to close today with a quote from Ernest Holmes. This is how he interpreted that particular Bible passage. And I think it's useful. He says in... In saying that no one puts a piece of new cloth on an old garment or a new wineskin, Jesus was teaching a lesson in our personal development. We are continuously living a new life. And when the old and the new do not fit so nicely together, the old, being no longer able to contain the new, must be discarded. 
There is something that wants to be born in you, each one of you. Your homework this week is to find out what's keeping it from having been born already. Next week, during the Easter service, we're going to embrace with each one of us personally some new way of being, some new form of love, some new way or, or, or some new joy. But I don't want whatever's standing in the way currently to still be there. So your homework this week is if your wildest dreams could be realized, if you're, uh, I don't even know, because it's going to be different from each person here. But let's say, for instance, you really wanted to work on a, an outrageously loving and beautiful and perfect relationship. Then I would say, what is standing in the way of that happening right now? Is it fear? Is it knowing that relationships typically don't go well? Is it past history of relationships that have blown up? Find out what, if you can, is keeping you from experiencing your bliss right now. And I want you to bring that with you next Sunday because we're going to do a bit of releasing as well. But more importantly, your homework this week is to understand perhaps the one thing, the, the pick of the litter, the, the, the highest vision of your life and bring it with you. It might take some journaling, it might take some meditation, it might take some visioning. You know, pull out your arsenal of tools uh, that we teach here to help elucidate what it is that you want to have new and different in our lives. Next week we're going to wake up. Next week we're going to, on purpose, embrace this new thing, and we've got to find out what it is. We also got to be willing, if we need to, to release something that might be standing in its way. So that's your homework for next week. I want to close with a promise. You know, this uh, section five in this book uh, has a lovely promise at the end. So when we really embrace the diversity of our own thinking and the world around us, when we really can do something new and important and beautiful with our own lives, when we're ready to do this, what can we expect? Here's what Ernest Holmes says. We are to think on those things which are of good report. That is, we are to think on those things which are fine and true, and God will supply them. This is a beautiful thought that we are fed from the table of the universe, whose board is ever spread with blessedness and peace, whose loving kindness has never been completely fathomed, whose grace and truth are the cornerstones of reality, and then he writes, all in upper uppercase, we are to be fed, clothed, and supported in every need, straight from the center, from the source, from God. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing that I call life, and it is so richly diverse. It is the love and the life. It is the, the pattern of perfection. It is the, the joy and the peace of all time, of every person, of all life itself. This, this is God. And what I know about God is that it is centered in me. It is centered in each person here. That God's riches and diversity are available to all. That all of the ideas that have ever been had that could turn our lives around in an instant exist as we wake up, as we embrace newness, as we see and embrace diversity in our lives, as we take the full plunge into newness, God is present. Supporting, guiding, directing, God is present.
And I'm simply grateful for this. I'm simply grateful to acknowledge that life is diverse, that life is good, that life is for more life and for expansion. I simply let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here today.